uh, really understanding the cross and that it is a portion of sacrifice. And our attitude is important. And that kind of dovetails into uh, my lesson this morning. Uh, last week we talked about one thing. So I want you to pick one thing because Curly says it's one thing that I want you to focus on. That, you know, in light of, if you haven't decided, in line of what you heard at communion, maybe it's one thing you're not good at. Maybe it's one thing you stink at. Maybe it's one thing you're unwilling to do. Maybe your one thing is, you know, doggone it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to suffer more to understand God more. Maybe it's something like that. So it's one thing you're going to work on and change uh, this year. Okay? So my, 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 my theme for this series for the next few weeks is I'm going to look at a few Bible characters and I'm going to show you what an agent of change they were. Because the catalyst is a person or an event that quickly causes change or action. You know, a lot of scientists use that word for different kind of chemical mixtures, and it causes a quick reaction change. But there are obviously another term that can be used in our human relationships on how you can be a catalyst, how you can be an agent of change. Maybe you've been living your life saying, hey, you know what, I have no influence in, in the world. I'm a nobody. No one listens to me anyway. My husband doesn't listen to me. My wife doesn't listen to me. My boss doesn't even like me. How can I ever be an agent of change? And I'm going to share with you a person in the Bible that was a nobody and how they caused a transformation in the life of one person that was so popular that all the world knew there was a God in Israel. So there was a man named Naaman. He was a military commander for the king of Aram. Now that was a non-Jewish you know, king. It was kind of like a pagan king. It wasn't really a spiritual person. And, and it was about 860 B.C. And if you go a timeline, if I were to show you on a map where Israel is, remember the two parts from last week? There was a the northern part, and then there was a the southern part. Now this part was still existing. And here's Aram, Aram up there. So he was a military commander for this area, and they had a king for that area. And so sometimes these kings would talk a little bit. So there was a military commander. His name was Naaman. And what his, his army did, they would come in this area and they would raid you know, small towns and villages. And one time, they raided. Not only they take your goods, they take your daughters and your sons. And they make them their slaves. And they serve in his army. So if you were down here, you're more safe. But if you were on the outskirts, they, these, these nations, they want labor. It's better for their economy. So what do you do when you need workforce? You don't put out a want, help wanted sign. You go and take the people, and then they serve you, and they build up your economy. That's how your kingdom kind of grows. Have you ever played Age of Empires? You've got to get the wood. You've got to get the gold. you got to get all that kind of... You've got to make villagers all the time, right? And to win, you've got you to kill all the villagers, and you've got to make more villagers. My son and I play that game. So here's the story of the account. So in 2 Kings chapter 5, please turn in your Bibles if you have them with you. If you don't have your Bible and you're visiting with us, I have the Bible for you on the screen. But if you're a Christian, I really want to encourage you to open your Bible because there's something about reading the words of God on a page that impacts your heart. So in 2 Kings chapter 5, we'll take a look. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. The Bible says he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because... Through him, the Lord have given victory to Aram. Even though they were a pagan nation, God is still involved in their life. Even though you may not be a Christian, God is working in your life. Here's the evidence of that. He was a valiant soldier, 
Meaning he was brave in combat. He was a front line kind of guy. He wasn't a commander who led from the back. He led from the front. What a, what a guy to follow in battle, right? But he had leprosy. Now in Israel, if you had leprosy, you would not be serving in an army, especially not as a commander. They would actually isolate you away from society to protect everyone from catching leprosy. Not so with the pagan nations. They said, let him serve until he's, in, he's incapable of serving was their policy. So as soon as your arms start falling off and your limbs start falling off, he probably can't serve. But they were okay with him serving. But it was obvious he had leprosy. It was obvious something was wrong with him. But yet they let him serve. So, in 2 Kings 5 verse 2, it says, Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. You know, what a great, what a great girl. Let's, let's just back up and give context to that. She was abducted by complete strangers. She was taken against her will to a foreign country. She became a slave. She became a servant. She had no rights. She had nothing. And then she makes a positive suggestion. You know, if someone took my took me captive against my will, I would be like, I'm glad you have leprosy. You'll be dead soon. I would not be helping my captors. I would not be helping anyone. I would always be trying to figure out how can I go home. And she landed in a household that not only she's the commander's wife, that's a pretty prestigious household she got. So it tells you a little bit about her character. So Maimon went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. Now, get this, she's a nobody. She's just some girl who was out there in the fields and the bands came grabbed her, snatched her, delivered her back to Aram. And then she makes this suggestion to the wife. And guess who hears about this girl, what she said? The king, the monarchy, the king of Aram, hears about this nobody's suggestion. He goes all the way up to the wife of the commander, to Naaman, Naaman to the king. Who is she? It says... The girl, he told them what the girl from Israel said. You know, this girl of mine, the slave said this. Her little comment rolls all the way, all the way through the ranks to the king of Aram. Yeah, who was she? Just some girl. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. I'm going to tell you what all that means later on, all, all the weight and stuff. The letter what, that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. So the king's going like, 
That's great news. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to help you because you're a standing, valiant commander. I'm going to write a letter of recommendation to the king of Israel because if, if they have this guy that can cure leprosy, we got to get you fixed. When your children are, have, a, have an illness or, or sickness, you want them to go to the best doctor. Get the best evaluations possible. So that's what this king is doing. Like, hey, I'm going to write you a letter and, and let's, let's get this thing fixed. This is pretty awesome. Yet this little girl who was abducted against her will kept her spiritual bearings about God. Didn't allow herself to become bitter with God. Why did God put me in this situation? Why did God do this to me? God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. God has left me. How many of us have uttered those words in our hearts to God because we are in a place of suffering? And yet we can only look at woe is me, have self-pity on us, and not share in the suffering of learning why God sometimes allows us to go through suffering because her words, little knowns to her, reached the king of Aram. Her little, there's a prophet in Israel that can cure you. Number one, is that even believable? Number two, it goes to the king. He writes a letter of wreck to the other king because she said something because she still believes in the prophets. She still believes in God. And she has not succumbed to bitterness and hatred of God because God has allowed her to be in a position or in a time of suffering. She has no rights. She is a nobody. And there she is. Her influence. Her being the catalyst. Come on, I wonder how her parents felt. If that was my daughter, right? I have a daughter. I'd be on the microphone. I'd be on ABC News. I'd be threatening the kidnapper. Return her or you die. I mean, it'd be, it'd be insane. I'd be like, you know, Hispanic panic all over the place. <laughs> it'd be crazy. Forced. Not, no volunteer. Did she have burnout? You bet she had burnout. Forced. Because she kept her spiritual bearings. put in a place of influence and didn't even know it. She had no future. All her dreams were shattered when he took her. All her hopes of marrying a Jewish man, having a family, gone. Most likely she would be married to a military person, they'd interbreed and they'd have children and they'd be shamed forever in that culture. No future. Over. Done. Maybe she wanted to learn something. Maybe she wanted to learn a craft. No, done. You're done under this. This is your life now. Yet, she was an agent of change. She changed the destiny of a nation. And especially of a commander. Back to the story. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, this letter of wreck from king of Aram, he tore his robe as a sign of anguish. As a sign of no! Why are you doing it? Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Now, remember the prophets in his nation. The prophet's job was to inform the king of God's will. He had a relationship with the prophets. Kings and prophets work as a team to help God's will be accomplished. And his reaction to this letter about 
his, his, uh, his prophet curing leprosy, his reaction, his faith, his, his spirituality is, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? You see who he's trying to pick a fight with me? This guy freaks out. Here's a servant girl who's in slavery, has no future. Here's the king who has everything his heart desires. He's living the comfortable life. He wants food, he gets it. He wants concubines, he has them. Everything he can wish for, he gets. Not so for the servant girl. She doesn't get anything she asks for. She's given and told what to do every day of her life. Which one are you? Which heart are you? Are you the comfortable life where, where something happens? That you're asked to do something and you freak out? Wow, good point. Am I freaking out because I got to... Man, I, I'm not... Like, 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 just like Marty said, I'm not good at that. It's not my talent. And we freak out? Why does this fellow try to pick a fight with me? That's his reaction. It's the king of Israel. He has access to the scriptures. He has access to God. He has access to the prophets. This guy is, is in a spiritual position, and yet he is freaking out. And that's what happens when you lose connection with God. Amen. Even the littlest of things freak you out. Are you a person that freaks out? Are you an overreactor? When someone brings something to your attention, do you overreact to a correction? Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you talk to me that way. Or you're the silent type going, yeah, I'm taking your correction, but I'm not coming to church for three weeks. Fine. You want to correct me? Fine. Fine. I'm not going to show for children's ministry. See if you like that. Find a sub. <laughs> Maybe the quiet person that won't, won't challenge the, the correction, but you've already, you got your plan. You already freaked out internally. There's others who just freak out like, what are you talking about, bro? Which one are you? So when Elijah, the prophet, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, you know, can you imagine how him hearing about that? The king tears his robe. He sent the king this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel and he drops the mic. <laughs> this is what a man of faith looks like. This is what a man of conviction looks like. Hey, you tell that commander to come to me and he will know. Because I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Do you believe who you are? Do you believe you can be someone that can change the destiny of people around you? Or are you like, well, no, I've shared already. I'm done. I've tried. I'm done. And here is the prophet. Have this man come to me so that he will know. You know, you can say, oh, that guy's pretty prideful. Or you can say, that guy walks with God and knows. Bring this guy to me. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots. And he stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Can you imagine the, the entourage? Military commander. Horses. 
right-hand man, lieutenants, valiant soldiers coming to the Elijah from the king of Aaron's uh, uh, kingdom down to Israel. And Elijah said to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Now, little background. The Jordan at that time was pretty dirty. I was watching this movie called The 13th Warrior the other day with Karen. It's a Viking movie. When there was a Viking Norwegian movie, I tend to watch it because I, I travel there and help the church there. And, they, and they was, it's pretty, uh, pretty dirty. So we have a scene where all the Norwegian Vikings are waking up and they hand this bowl of water. And they're going new, and they get the water, and they wash their face, and they... And they give it to their buddy right next to him. And he goes... his face, And they hand it to the guy who's a 13 warrior. He's like, he's like a Muslim guy. He's like... It's dirty water. And so, so what this does, it, it has this reaction. But Naaman freaks out. He went away angry and said, I thought, you ever start your, you ever start your struggles that way? I thought that, I thought, I thought he would surely come out to me. Because you get the impression that Elijah never saw him. He came to the door and Elijah says, hey, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. I mean, that was like, you know, Elijah go, hello, commander. Hello, and I pay homage to you. Hey, go wash those seven times, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought he would come out, stand, call on the name of the Lord, wave his hand over the spot, little razzle-dazzle, and cure me of my leprosy. You know, sometimes you come to church with pre conceived notions of what church should look like, what should it ought to look like. I'm talking to the members of my, our church. You have a disposition that church should be my way. It has to be this way, linear thinking. If there's not too much Bible, this is not the church. Well, let me tell you something. Church is not just for you. It's for the guests who come. If it's not appealing to them either, then we've missed the point of trying to preach the Bible to people. We're trying to impact people who visit. Not just you. We have, as they're called, midweeks. It's like the members only club, you know? And then we talk directly to you. It's pretty awesome. And then you have house church. They talk directly to you. Sundays are welcoming to all. We don't want to be overly righteous, right? We don't want to be totally overly worldly. We're finding the medium balance. So here's the spot. Sometimes you go to church and where's the band every Sunday? I'm used to going to a church where there's like big speakers and stuff and room is like an auditorium and fits 500. Hey, where's the kids' laser light show? Where's the Disney room? And you bring your kids here and you're like, where's all the razzle-dazzle? Sometimes it can be disappointing. Are not Abana and Fapar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters in Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? You know, we're always trying to figure out another way to do what God wants us to do. When He says, hey, do this, and we go, well, I don't really like that. Can I go around that? Can I do it this way? 
As long as it gets done, right? We're always trying to figure ways around where God just says, hey, don't do that. Well, you don't like me? You don't like you don't like to judge me? And we're always trying to find ways around things that God tells us directly. So he turned and went off in a rage. Now, I can imagine a man who's killed other men. This man has killed many men in his time. What, this is not road rage. I, I, I think, what does this rage look like of a man who's butchered people? I don't want to be there to find out. So again, here's another catalyst. Here's another servant. Naaman's servants went to him. Not as lieutenant. Not as right hand commander. But the servant. The nobody. Says to him, my father, it's a respectful approach to a man who's angry, especially if he's your boss. My father. <laughs> if the prophet had told you to do something great, wouldn't he have done it? Of course he would, if he wanted to do something great. How much more then, when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? How much more? He's making it really simple for you here, boss. Just do it. Wouldn't you do it if he said to go kill a hundred men and bring back their heads? You would have gone and done it. He's just saying, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. So he went down. Influence. A catalyst. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored. And he came clean, clean, like that of a young boy. Give me that river. I want to dip myself in it. I'll do it 14 times if my flesh can come that of a young boy. This is one of the foreshadows of being baptized into Christ. It cleanses you. It cleaned him physically. Baptism cleans you spiritually. It's one of the foreshadows to reality of the Scriptures. Here it is in the Old Testament. Here it is highlighted by a young servant girl who was captured, who was abducted, who was taken and had no future, yet she still managed to be a catalyst for change. And here is the king, king's commander getting baptized, dipping himself in the Jordan seven times. And look at his response. To all this. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him. Now Elijah finally comes out. And said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Let's just pause for a moment. He's saying, All the things I've worshipped my whole life My king, his gods, now I know there is no God in all the world except the God that you serve, Elisha. I now know he is God. What an understanding. He just wasn't a, a ritual. It wasn't a routine. It wasn't a behavior. It was a heart change. When he saw what God did in his life. This was something that occurred because a servant girl 
opened her mouth. For all those who have decided to say, you know, I'm going to be more evangelistic. Just look what a phrase, a recommendation, an encouragement does to someone. Encouraging someone to pray with you. Encouraging someone to come to church with you. Encouraging someone to study the Bible with you. Look at what can happen. Pleading, he goes, please now accept a gift from your servant. So this is what he brought Elisha. This is Naaman's gift. Ten talents of silver, 750 pounds of it. So it was a lot of donkeys and a lot of horses. I know what I would do with 750 pounds of silver. 600 shekels of gold, 150 pounds of pure gold. That's some gangster cash right there. (laughs) And then he brought him some duds. Ten sets of clothing, and they were not from Kmart. (laughs) I know, but these clothes are prestigious. Nice clothes. Awesome clothes. You know, the Versace of its day. The Hugo Boss of his day. Ten sets of Hugo Boss suits. Wow. It's a lot of Skrilla. It's a lot of cheddar right there. He comes with a gift. His heart was prepared. Even before he knew what would happen, he believed something great could happen. And this was his heart of gratitude. Let's talk about what you give to God for a second. Seriously, let's talk about your giving to God. Here's his name. He's a pagan. You're a Christian, or you claim to be one. And there's a connection with what you give to what you really realize in your relationship with God. There's a direct connection. Because the Bible talks more about money and possessions than any other subject in the Bible. There's more about it. Here's an example of it, another one. And here's a pagan guy expressing his heart and gratitude for what God has done in his life. What a convicting example. And then Elijah answers, As surely as the Lord lives, who I serve, I will not accept a thing from you. Elijah doesn't do it for the money. He does it because of his relationship with God. So, yeah, I don't need it. I don't need it. And then even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you read read the story more, if you want to go home and read the story, one of Elijah's assistants says, I'm not going to turn down that money. (laughs) Hold on, Naaman! And he goes back over and tells Naaman the story, and he gets some money. Because instead of just being humble and just grateful what God has did, he's like, hey, hey, if he's going to give it away, I mean, if he's going to bring it this far, someone's going to get it. I mean, Elijah doesn't want it. I was thinking about being a prophet, but maybe that's not what I want to do. Who knows what he thought? If you want to read what happens to him, go home tonight and finish that story. But as for you, what can we learn? From this account. Anyone. And I mean anyone. Well, I don't speak English that well. Anyone. (laughs) Well, I don't speak Spanish that well. Anyone. Igualmente. Equally the same. Ever share your faith with a foreigner? I don't even know his language. It doesn't matter what your position in life is. You can make a difference. The question is, do you believe that? 
Here's a, one practical. You can invite a friend to the chili cook-off. That's what I'm going to do. I got to tell them it's on the 26th because it's not on here. But I'll invite them. Invite a friend to the chili cook-off. And realize that you can be an agent of change in someone's life. You can change and help someone change, help God change the destiny of someone's salvation. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon.